Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining. My name is Danielle Cole. I am the founder of Black Women in Clinical Research. The mission of Black Women in Clinical Research is to educate, empower, support, and help Black women thrive in the clinical research industry. I'm so excited to share with you on how to become a project manager. We have so many women who are the leaders in the industry. They have the information about being a project manager. So everything that you wanted to know about being a project manager, we're gonna dive into it tonight. I have my admins, Rashida and Andrika here with me. We're gonna go through this process. We're gonna start with the going through the questions and kind of figuring out what exactly is a project manager and the responsibilities of a project manager. And then towards the end, we're gonna have time for questions. So. We're gonna go ahead and I guess jump right in. So if we can have Stephanie, would you care to introduce yourself, please? Good afternoon, evening, everyone. Um, my name is Stephanie Stennett and I am a project manager. Um, I would also like to say that I think a lot of you may have looked at my profile on LinkedIn. So my thoughts are my own, do not connect it to my company. <laughs> we like to say that when we, um, we're speaking on behalf of our careers. Um, as I said, I'm, I have been in project management for directly, like my title is, has been a project manager for the last 18 months, but I've been doing aspects of project management for the past six years. Um, I've been in clinical research since I graduated from college back in 2007. I started my first job as a research assistant in 2008, progressed to a, a um, research coordinator in-house CRA, field CRA, and now I am, my formal title is a um, clinical project manager, clinical trial project manager. I'm based on the Midwest and it, I know we'll get into it, but everything you can possibly think of that touches clinical research at all, we do. So you really have to learn how to wear every single hat possible. Thank you so much. Erica, could we have you introduce yourself, please? Sure, I had to come off mute. Uh, my name is Erica Jones. Hi, I uh, am in Virginia, right uh, south of DC, DMV stand up. Um, <laughs> I have been in a project management for over a year, um, been in the industry like the previous person that spoke since graduated college in 05, started as a coordinator, worked my way to um, a CRA, uh, was a CTM for many years and transitioned into project management. Um, so uh, it, it, like the previous person that spoke, it's, it is a, um, a multi-hat position. It's fun. It's never the same. Um, and I'm happy to be a part of the panel. Thanks for the invite. Thank you so much. Jessica, please. Hello, good evening, everyone. My name is Jessica Thomas and I am based in the Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina. Um, I have been in research in the industry for 17 years, actually makes 18 years in February of 2021. Um, and I have navigated through my career, started out as a project assistant moved into study startup, which is where I spent the majority of my career, then moved into remote monitoring into an in-house CRA role, transitioned into the associate PL role. And for the last year and a half, I have been, well, actually last year, I have been a um, project manager, but at my company we call it a project leader. Okay. 
I just have a quick question for you, ladies. Is it going on speaker view when? No. No. I have it on speaker view, but it's not going to the speaker. It. I see it on speaker view. Okay. Yeah. It is? Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Okay. So let's dive right in. So I would like to ask, what was your career path to a project manager, if anyone would like to start? I think all of us pretty much started in, in ClinOps. Again, my opinions are my own, I think, since usually ClinOps are going to be your, your biggest budget. I mean, that's always usually going to be in your scope of work. Um, it's very, very helpful to have ClinOps experience um, everywhere from the site level to in-house CRA to CRA and especially CTM. Can you explain what ClinOps is for people who are, may not be aware? Um, so yeah, clinical operations is anything to do with site management, but it can also touch on other things. Like as a CTM, I also did a lot of uh, vendor management pertaining to clinical operations as well. So anything pertaining to enrollment, um, site management, um, you know, even IP, regulatory a lot of times, um, it really depends on how your company is, is structured. Okay. Stephanie, can you explain what was your career path to a project manager, please? So I mentioned a bit before I started as a research assistant and it's really um, funny the way I got into research. I fell into this. This was not my plan. I was going to get my master's in public health, which I got and go work at somebody's public health department and then kind of work my way up there. But um, wasn't really landing any job interviews um, back in 2008. So I went to a research fair at Emory University. I sat in a line, I talked to the people at the front and like two or three months later, they called me in for an interview. I wasn't expecting it. And a month or so after that, they offered me a job again as a research assistant. So we were um, basically managing and any of our projects at the site level. So I was in Alzheimer's disease research. So that was seeing any of the, um, any of the participants that were looking to participate in the study, doing lab draws, doing um, specimen processing, that type of thing. I did all, I touched all of that while I was at the site level. Then I moved over to the VA and coordinated studies there. So that's, you know, taking on um, IRB submissions, um, again, seeing patients, doing lab processing, um, setting up labs. Um, and that type of thing. Then I was, uh, I moved out to Texas um, and took an in-house CRA job. And there, um, again, if, if you have the opportunity to do an in-house CRA position, I would strongly suggest it um, specifically if you're at a sponsor. I wor worked directly for a sponsor and they gave you the opportunity to do and touch a lot of things. So as Erica mentioned, you would do vendor management, working with regulatory bodies, working with steering committees for your study, working with data management. You're touching all of those things in addition to managing um, the, the site, doing the site management for um, the, the trials that you're assigned to. So I was able to get a lot of good experience um, at um, within project management by taking that in-house CRA position. Um, moved back to Atlanta, did a hybrid position. So it's both field-based and in the office. And that allowed me to get my, um, my monitoring experience in the field, but also continue to do a lot of uh, management uh, of different um, core, um, 
committees, like so the adjudication committee, I don't know if anyone is familiar with that process. Um, again, managing your steering committees and a ton of other things, implementing TMFs at your, at your um, company, all of those things could fall under your um, project management duties, even if you don't have that formal title. And then after that, I, I took this position where my formal title is a project manager. And again, you're touching every single thing possible. So um, I kind of fell into it. I continued to progress throughout, um, throughout my career and getting pro progressively more complex positions. And that's definitely something you do once you get your foot in, in the door, whether it's as a research assistant coordinator, any type of thing like that. Okay, thank you. Someone said Team Emory. <laughs> I, I, I worked at Emory also. So Atlanta is my second home. I kind of call myself a, a Georgia peach, um, even though I'm from Detroit. <laughs> Um, Jessica, can I get you to share what was your career path? Sure. So I touched on it also um, in my introduction, but I, like Stephanie, kind of fell into the industry. I was completely oblivious to what clinical research was, and I was in between jobs. I was actually working at IBM in finance um, and decided this wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I went through a contracting service, a temp service um, here in the North Carolina area. And I started out as an administrative assistant for a cardiologist um, at Duke Clinical Research Institute. So my path was a little bit different. I started out on the site side um, and work at um, Duke, which is an ARO, an academic research organization. And so when my contract was up, he referred me for a job um, with one of the project leaders at Duke Clinical Research. And I became a project assistant or project specialist. I know that each um, company will call it something different. Um, and so kind of stayed within that role for about a year and a half or so. And then that PL got a promotion and he took me with him as a clinical trials assistant. And so that's when I really started doing some of the in-house tasks um, with um, IRB submissions to the central IRB, reviewing regulatory documents, doing the study startup piece or what have you. And I stayed in that for a while. And then I left Duke as a um, ARO and went over to the CRO side. And so I went to one of the local CROs here in the area um, and really stayed in study startup for probably about 10 years. Um, and navigated through three CROs um, in that role, progressively um, going up within um, that particular role, that particular part of the industry. And then from there, um, with the company I'm with now, which with my 10 year anniversary will be in February, um, I um, segued into the in-house monitoring role. So we had different titles for it, but it was the remote um, monitoring piece. And so from there, as Stephanie and Erica said, that is a really vital part um, of this job, because as a project leader, one thing that you will realize is that while your hands are in a lot of things and you're responsible for delivery and you're responsible for oversight, you don't have, you're not the be all end all, right? So you do, everybody has their own specialty, but no project leader knows everything. So we want to dispel that myth that you have to be an expert in every single area um, of project delivery. That's just not true. That's what you have your functional leads for. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but in my in-house CRA role, I had the opportunity um, of working under a project manager who really was invested in paying it forward, right? So she gave me the opportunity to do um, associate PM tasks without the role and without the money. And so I do want to say that I encourage everyone if you have the opportunity to shadow um, to be mentored um, in your current role, to take on additional tasks that quote, might not be within your scope or might not be um, 
within your job description, I promise you that it will pay off. And so that is what kind of gave me the boost to get into um, officially the APL role. Um, so she um, mentored me and then there was um, one of the senior directors in our project leadership group who's actually on the line. I see her, she joined today. <laughs> um, I actually um, proactively went and talked to her and I said, look, I'm in this place where I don't know what I wanna do next, but I did know that I did not wanna be a CRA. So shocking, I know. I know everybody thinks that you have to be an on-site monitor to go into project leadership. That wasn't my story, that wasn't my path, that wasn't the path of a lot of PMs that I know um, in the industry. Um, and so she actually sat down and she took out the job description and she said, okay, this is what we look for. So you don't have to check all the boxes, but you should be proactive and working toward how do you um, expand your skill base? How do you grow your skills? How do you take some of these um, classes and some of the trainings that my company provided that give you um, the opportunity to work on your soft skills? So it's not just about what's on paper that I've been a monitor, I've been this, I've been that. Because on paper, we can look great, right? But it's what you bring to the table, your real self, your authentic you, that you know how to deal with clients, that you are what we call client facing. You understand how to lead, quote, without authority. So you're not a line manager, but you have to be able to get results. And so I began to take a lot of trainings outside of hours, outside of my normal um scope of work that helped me get into the APL role. And then from there, um, I had a really supportive line manager. Um, thank God for her. So I shouldn't say thank God, but hey, it's who I am. Um, thank God for her. She gave me um, the opportunity um, to really be able to function as a standalone project leader without having the title. And that really opened up the door for me to get promoted within about 11 months to go into the official PM role. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So I know we kind of touched on this already, but if anyone would like to share more about the experience or training that you would say is necessary um, for those without project management experience. I think Jessica laid it out really well. Um, when you are an in-house CRA coordinator, any of those other roles that don't have a PM title officially in there, try to get your hands in as many things as you can. So I went to my manager, which um, I had the same really, really supportive, incredible manager that Jessica had. Thank God for her. Um, they exist out there. She was a Black woman. I cannot say how much she did for my career. If I didn't have her as a manager, I don't think I'd be where I am right now, to be completely, completely honest. But I let her know what my goals were. And I, um, she just put me in touch with as many things as possible. Hey, you need to be able to say you've done this. So let me connect you with X, Y, and Z manager. You need to be able to um, show that you can manage this type of committee. So you're going to be the one managing this. You need to be a lead CRA on one of these projects. So I'm going to do what I need to, to put you in that, um, give you that opportunity. Because if not, you're not going to be able to show these skills on your resume. So just having the opportunity to um, get that career development without having the formal title is absolutely key, but you have to go for it. You can't sit back and wait for those opportunities to come to you. You absolutely have to seek them out. You have to show the initiative. And also you have to do your job, whatever your job is, you have to do that. In addition to all these other things that you're um, asking to be able to participate in. Because if you can't demonstrate that you can do the job that you're paid to do, there's no point in asking to do anything else because you're not gonna be able to fully demonstrate all of your abilities. So. Ask for it, be proactive, um, 
make sure that you you kind of see what the the people with the formal title are doing and see if you can support them in doing those specific things. Thank you. Uh, one, one thing too, Danielle, that I want to add to that, um, that a lot of times if you're going through your career in the clinical aspect, something that you don't normally get, which I think is important, well, I can speak from the CRO side, is the finance piece. And that is something that I lack. And I had to really be intentional about understanding the financial aspect of project management. So Yes, we need the monitors. Yes, we need the data management folks and the stats folks and all that stuff. But from a project leadership perspective, everything for me now, in my mind, it's it comes down to dollars and cents, right? That the client is paying us for our services. They are paying us to do a job and we have to do it within budget. And so um, in my company, um, our studies have what's called an M4, a monthly project operating review meeting. It's when the project leader gets together with all the functional leads and they go through everything from resourcing, um, quality issues. And what we touch on most of all is our budget. Where are we with burning through our budget? Are we meeting budget? Are we exceeding budget? What does that look like? And so I think if you go through like the project specialist role, the project assistant, I would say that those um, individuals have an opportunity to be exposed to the finance piece, but from a clinical perspective, try to sit in on some of those budget discussions, try to be um, proactive in taking some ad hoc courses or ad hoc internal trainings within your organization that will help you become savvy from a financial perspective, because it doesn't matter how great you do a job on a study, your PM wants to know that you're doing it within budget. That, that's one of the primary keys of our job as well. And milestones, that's that's another thing, budget and milestones. And one of the hardest things that I had to let go was um, quality is not always the most important thing. It's staying on budget because if it takes 10 hours to ensure something is done correctly, um, how much value is that really? At? Not to say that you would do sloppy work, that's not what I'm saying, but um, budget it you know really turns into your most important focus that and milestones um i i work at pra and and we have those types of meetings and also um, a few times a quarter we have to go to the directors um and you know review our meetings and resources and and variants and um milestones and again um like the others that spoke i did not have that finance background and it and it was hard to to really grasp to be honest with you, um, but it is one of the most important things in addition to uh, soft skills that that is super important as well. You are constantly managing the client and their expectations, um, and a lot of times it really comes down to do they like you. Um, that is is so very important um, as well. Um, so you constantly truly are, are wearing a lot of hats as others have said. I was just about to say that Erica, I'm gonna say, it sounds like being a project manager, you have to have, you know, wear multiple hats and be able to function in different areas and be pretty much be strong in a lot of areas in order to succeed in that position. So the next question is, with being a project manager, do you have to travel and if so, how much did you travel before COVID? 
there really isn't a lot of travel. Um, it depends on the phase that your study is. Well, it depends on your budget. So it depends on which phase you're in. Uh, usually at, at the beginning, there's more travel like investigator meetings, kickoff meetings. Um, sometimes in your scope, there are yearly or, um, or you know, twice a year meetings that you'll have face-to-face -face with a client. Um, you really are the face of your company and your study. So, um, you know, before COVID, um, you know, I would maybe travel once a quarter or so, but it is not um, a travel intensive position. Agreed. Um, I think for me, in the few years that I've been in project management, I've traveled maybe four times, and that was to a face-to-face -face client meeting. Um, I did a couple of um, bid defense meetings, but other than that, no, the travel is extremely minimal, which was good for me. So I've never worked on the CRO side. I've always um, worked on the sponsor side. And um, with the previous company I worked for as a medical device startup, and we did travel to some of these um, kickoff meetings and um, bid um, the actual like I think a bid defense came to us one time and one time we went to them for some reason um, up in North Carolina. So I've done that a few times. I traveled way more when I was just monitoring, but um, I'm really, really sad that COVID is a thing because we would actually host um, our investigator meetings within the country. So I would have had an opportunity to go to our studies going to be in like China and Russia and a bunch of other places. So we would have actually had the opportunity to go there. I've only had to go to one um, investigator meeting in Argentina so far. And because we are um, changing to basically everything virtually, um, we'll, we won't have to travel anytime in the near future. I don't know if that'll change once we get a few years past COVID, but for right now, everything's gonna be virtual. Okay, thank you. So can you walk me through a day in the project manager role? Meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings. <laughs> so many meetings. Oh my yeah, gosh. It's, it, it's, it's really hard because you have to stay on top of email and be attentive in meetings, but you still have actual work to do. Um, a lot of reports to do, um, you know, looking at time dumps and making sure, you know, there are, are no variances from scope um, and, and actual uh, hours spent. Um, the first thing that I like to do um, is look at my deliverables, what is due first, because that is what I need to prioritize. Um, so that's very important. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a lot, a lot of meetings. <laughs> I, I agree. I think in the first three months of being an official um, standalone project manager, I had reached out to a friend of mine and I said, how do you get any work done if you are meeting all day, every day? Like it, it was just beyond my comprehension, right? And so in addition to the emails piling up, hundreds of emails, literally, and that's not an exaggeration. And so what I had to do is realize um, two things. Number one, um, I took a course that I thought was um, entitled um, Time Management. But actually, when we got into the course, the facilitator said, nobody knows how to manage time. We're all given the same 24 hours in a day. He said, what we have to learn to do is set priorities. And so two of the key things I took away is that I have got to um, own my own schedule, right? So some meetings that are on my, my calendar, I don't go to. 
right? There are some things, if there's a functional lead, for example, if it's a data management meeting, I don't have to sit into that meeting. That's why I have a data management leader. So that person owns that of the, the delivery part of the, the project. And so certainly I'm there as a reference, at a, as a point of escalation, as a point of support um, for oversight, but you can't possibly sit in meetings all day, every day, and don't think you're gonna work 13 or 14 hour days because you still have to answer emails and still have your own work to do as Erica said. So I realized that I don't have to go to every meeting. Um, I also realized that um, in order for me to kind of keep, keep my hand on the pulse of everything that's going on on the study, I have to block out time every day just to check email, right? And to do study work. So on my, my calendar, on Outlook, every day there's a point of time early in the morning and a point of time in the afternoon at the end of my day where it's blocked off, where I don't book meetings, I don't do anything but check emails. And then if I'm, if I'm looking and being proactive, look at my um, schedule for the week, I am blocking off what I call um, project work. And so I know if I have to update a project management plan, if I have a um, individual client deliverable or monthly finance reports um, for my study or for, my, um, for upper management, I block that off in my calendar. If I know I have a client meeting every Wednesday, so Tuesday afternoons, I have time blocked off that I can pre prepare for the meeting on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And I have to stick to that, right? Because your calendar will get out of control. Your email will get out of control. And if I don't stay organized, nobody else is going to do that for me. So I can delegate as much as I can. And I want to empower the people that are aligned under me on this study um, to do their job and to do it well without me having to micromanage. But nobody's going to keep me organized but me. So I, I have to own that. It's insane how many me I didn't expect this a number of meetings when I took this position, honestly. Um, and I've transitioned to um, a couple of different projects in my company. And it seems like every time I transition, like 10 more meetings get added somehow. Um, so I absolutely co-sign what both Erica and Jessica said. If it's a meeting that you really don't need, if you don't anticipate having to unmute yourself to say something, you probably don't need to be in that meeting because if there is a action item, if there's an action item for you, if there's a milestone, if there's something that's going to come from that meeting that you need to be involved with, someone is going to let you know. So um, don't feel um, the need to attend every single meeting. I, start, I, I need to tell myself that because I haven't been doing that as often this week. I've been kind of jumping into everything, trying to do some extra work on the side, and then you're splitting your time between both the meeting and whatever work you're doing. So you're not really giving your all to either one of them. So really learn to prioritize those things that are coming, both looking at the deadline, the, the deliverable date for that, um, whatever that, that action is, and just the amount of time it's going to take and then plan accordingly. Everyone in on my team disrespects my focus time. So I've had a bunch of meetings scheduled over my focus time. So I am trying to do better at saying, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to be able to attend that because I really need to do X, Y, and Z. But you have to, there are certain times where you're going to have to push back and say, um, this isn't something that I need to do right now for me to be able to successfully do my job. I need to have X amount of time to be able to focus. So the meetings are oppressive. I say that every, my meeting schedule has been oppressive for the past like a month and a half because we're starting a new study right now. So um, it's difficult to do. Sometimes there are time nights and my friends know that I will hop on at about eight, nine o'clock and start doing some work just because I know 
And even then, sometimes I, there are people on IM that are like, oh, I see you're on. Let's talk about X, Y, and Z. No, no, this is not why I got on here. But <laughs> you really have to manage those things for your own sanity, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I, I have love that. <laughs> so I have setting boundaries mm -hmm. and making sure that if you go on after hours, you don't make yourself available. Yeah, <laughs> appear away, appear <laughs> away. But very, very important. And again, it is it is so important, especially for those that have um, transitioned and been promoted slowly. With, with every transition or promotion, you've had to learn to let go. Um, when I transitioned from a coordinator to a CRA, I had to learn to let go. And it's the same with a transition into um, a PM. You really, really have to empower your functional leads. Um, unless they give you a reason to micromanage, um, then, then don't. And if you have a reason to micromanage, then you have a bigger issue. You need to escalate and, and do a root cause of what the issue is. Uh, but you really, really have to rely on your functional leads um, to do their job and escalate to you, uh, you know, when there's an issue and, and for you to step in because you absolutely cannot do it all. Um, you will try and get burnt out and just because you can't, you will delegate. Um, so, so try to be proactive in delegation for sure. But it, I have to say, the hardest thing that I've had to deal with in management is delegating but then ultimately being responsible for the outcome and quality that that is that was so hard during each transition and it's it's something that you literally have to work at every day um, and and try to find your own ways to ensure that the quality is there while still delegating and not getting in the weeds because you just absolutely do not have the time. Thank you for that. Um, I love that each of you have varying experiences. And um, as a monitor, I'm looking at the horizon and like my next move. And I'm trying to use this season right now to develop myself more. Um, I am looking at those items within my company, but also I'm thinking about, you know, is it is it an added thing or is it a necessity for me to think about certification? So like the two things that I'm seeing a lot are the uh, PMP, which is the Project Management Professional Certification. And then I'm seeing another one called the CAPM, which is the Certified Associate in Project Management. Um, do either of you have any of those project management certificates prior to getting your role? And this has just been my experience. I've worked on the sponsor and CRO side. And beyond your bachelor's, what matters more so than anything is your experience. So of course, having letters behind your name are super important. I am currently getting my master's in clinical research management, and then I'll sit for my PMP. So it's important, but what truly matters is experience in, in my um, in, in my experience. Um, it, and it depends on the company. I've worked at Icon. Um, and at the time that I worked there, I was thinking of um, getting a certification. And they said, that's great, but we're not paying for it. That's not something we value at that time, because that doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at your job. Like you, you may know, you know, your, your, um, your regulations. So it really depends on the company. I, of course, wouldn't knock anyone that um, will get a certification and do we lose her? 
I think I her think laptop died. Yeah. Uh, does someone else want to chime in to say if they have a certification or had one prior to your role or if you're working on it now? So Rashida, I don't have it. Um, I will work towards it, but I agree with what Erica said um, within my company. Um, I have colleagues to be completely transparent who obtained the certification first and still can't get the job. And that's completely and totally frustrating for those individuals, right? Because it's saying I spent this money and I spent this time and now you're telling me that I can't do it. But when we look at a CV, they're looking for the experience. They want to see, have you done some of these tasks? Have you been exposed to them? Do you know what this particular regulation means or how to implement it? They wanna see if you've been able to put some of these, um, these uh, skills into practice. And so again, what Erica said, completely don't discourage it. I plan to get it myself, but I've navigated through my career without it um, as some of my other colleagues have. Um, so again, it just depends on the, the organization that you're trying to apply for. I mean, Hello. the only reason that I'm sitting for mine in oh. about a week and a half is because I, I just want to be able to get more money in the future. Literally, that's the only reason I'm doing it. So um, I'm sitting for the PMP and um, like Tuesday the 24th. And really it's just because um, as I look at those progressively more complex, um, higher level titles with um, that have like senior management, that type of thing, a lot of them are saying that the PMP certification is valuable, not required, but valuable. So that's the reason I decided, let me go ahead and do this now. They're also changing the PMP exam January 1st. So if I don't get it, if I don't pass it now, I'm just not, I'm just not gonna do it. I'm, I'm not because it's going to a really heavy agile focus and agile is more geared towards um, software. I don't do software. Most, um, most um, uh, clinical trials are predictive based, not agile based. And it just, it doesn't apply. So I'm not planning it. Just let's pray that I pass because I'm not doing this again. Um, I also have my CCRP. So my previous company actually paid for my CCRP because um, they thought it was important. They actually also um, sat on the board. They were one of the, the sponsors for um, Socro. So they really put a heavy emphasis on that. If you look at a lot of these um, um, postings that you'll see, you'll see CCRA or CCRP desirable. Again, most of the times it's not required, but it is desirable. It may give you that edge when you're applying. But when you're doing the actual work, like Jessica said, uh, it may not like truly, truly help you because there are some people that ha can have all of the letters behind their names up to and including a PhD and they still don't know what they're doing. It really depends on your knowledge and how you can apply your experience to being able to um, really thrive in your current role. I love that. That speaks to my heart. Like I try to tell people don't over-educate yourself when it's not a required thing because you're I don't want to say you're wasting time, but if if you don't need it, you're kind of wasting your time and your money. And I love that um, both of you said that you're working towards that because you're thinking about the next level, but like coming into it, it doesn't sound like you necessarily need it over having experience. So thank you for that. Um, I did want to ask, from my experience, I see that most project managers work 
on more than one project at the same time. So how does that work for you? Because each of you have been in your role for about one, like two years. Do they transition you starting off with one project and then they add it in? Like, is it a... No. <laughs> no. Let me shake my head. No. <laughs> You're thrown in. <laughs> Both studies and startup at a time. I mean, and you're a monitor. So uh, I can, uh, if you have one study as a CRA, I mean, what company do you work for? Because I, I want to know. Um, it's, you use the same tools as you would to, to manage multiple studies as a CRA or our CTM. Um, every company has their new and improved dashboard system. Um, where you are forced to um, to do you know go to to review your studies and and that helps as well. Um, I like to use OneNote um, or I have a notebook. I'm super old school. I like to write things down. Um, so there's a, a number of of things that you do. But really, I you know I did the same thing as a CRA and CTM or, or whatever role I was in. But yeah, you're on multiple. I'm on three. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, um, but usually um, sometimes they're in different phases. So that helps, but it's, you know, it's crazy. My previous role, I was on two. The role before that I was on three. My current role, I am on one. And if, if, if I had to be on more than one project in study startup on this side, I don't think I would make it. Um, I, it's just, it's insanely intense, the amount of things that are going on because we, so we only outsource monitoring for um, our trials for my company. So we do everything else in-house, data management, the finance piece, um, statistics, all medical, all of that is in-house. So you are truly interacting with all of these people all day, every day. So I don't, I I definitely could not run more than one in, especially in study startup. Now, if I, once I get this project into um, like getting it to be enrolling, I think I could take on another one to, to go through that study startup process, but I definitely, I definitely couldn't do more than one. Yeah, that okay. sounds like three is like the threshold. Yeah, if, if, the it's, amount of projects. if it's domestic, if it's global, how many yeah. subjects and sites, um, the scope of work, um, I'm on one where we don't have data management, medical monitoring, you know, we don't have to build the database. Um, so it, it depends on scope of work of, of the, the trial as well. But I think the sweet spot um, is probably two or, or one if, if it's, you know, large. So for me <clears throat> right now, Rashida, I'm on three. Um, so one is in startup, like literally we just got the award. Um, the other is in closeout. And for that one, I'm really proud because I participated in the bid defense meetings. I helped to win that award for my company, which is really exciting. Um, so I have one in startup. I have one that's approaching closeout. Database lock is February 12th. So I'm at the end of the road here. Then I have another one that is in supposed to be in maintenance, but enrollment is slow. So I can't fully bill for that one. And there's a possibility that that study will be put on hold. So typically, for my company, they try to target for two. Um, I think the same um, organizational skills, time management, setting priorities applies. Um, again, looking at your meeting schedule, you know, not attending meetings that you aren't really an active participant. Um, again, really empowering your team um, and your functional leads to 
do their job and um, making sure that you are, again, keeping your finger on the pulse of everything and holding your leads accountable to drive um, productivity and delivery for the parts of the study that they own and um, realizing that you are only one person, right? We, you can't do it all. You can't be all things to all people and learning that no is a complete sentence. So no, I no, we can't increase the resources there. Nope, I can't go to that meeting. Nope, I can't travel. I have um, in my company had the opportunity to get, I guess, internally certified to support bid defense meetings. So for those that don't know what that is, those are the meetings where your CRO actually goes out and presents a presentation to the client, to the sponsors, to the pharma companies to say, yes, we want to run this study for you. And so once my name kind of got thrown in that hat, like every couple of weeks they were saying, can you participate in this? Can you go do this bid defense meeting? And transparently, I was so excited at first. I was like, yes, I get to do this. And then I would come back and I would see like 90 emails between two and four o'clock when I was at this bid defense. And so learning, no, I, I can't participate in that. So again, owning your own schedule, um, managing your own time, um, empowering your team, keeping your finger on the pulse, um, and just really being intentional about attempting to stay balanced. And some seasons are going to be different than others, like Stephanie said, and startup things might be a little bit crazier. Um, I'm sure in closeout database block, things are crazy as well. Um, but we have to take care of ourselves. And one thing that nobody has said yet is that we all try to keep a life outside of work. Right. So I'm a wife. I'm a mom. Um, I serve in ministry at, in my, my church. Um, I work in my community, of course, pre-COVID. And so I still have to find time to just be Jessica. Right. I have to find time to go get my nails done or whatever it is that I want to do, or, you know, or just sit and read a book. And so I haven't been as intentional about that in the last six months, but I'm getting better and realizing that if I take care of me, and I keep me healthy physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, then I bring the best me to the table when I'm doing my work here in, in my CRO PM role, if that makes sense. Thank you, Jessica. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrika Thomas. I'm currently research project manager for a cancer center. Um, out before, because of time, I want to get into one more question before we open it up for the audience questions. Um, what roles do or would you move into after the PM role? Um, my plan is to um, move into the director role for sure. Um, my goal is before 40. We'll see if I, I make it. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the moon. Um, so the stars would definitely be a, a senior uh, PM or, or project director role. Thank you. What about you, Ms. Jessica? So I don't know yet. So <laughs> I'm just being honest. That's um, fine. And the reason why I say that is because <clears throat> I absolutely, I love what I do and I love where I do it. And I think I'm probably a rarity, right? So um, when I was trying to figure out what my next step would be before I went into project management, I tried to look at all the aspects of the business that I love. And project management gives me the best of all those worlds. And so certainly, as Erica said, I guess the next step would be senior PM. Um, and then in my company, the per career progression would be senior PM and then associate project director, 
then project director, senior project director. So then you get into what we here call like a managing project director. So you're a person that doesn't necessarily manage um, study work. You manage project leaders who manage studies, right? Uh -huh. So you go that way. Um, I've had individuals, colleagues that left um, project management and went into senior management back into clinical. So we had an individual who was a senior director here and for whatever reason, she decided to go back into clinical. And so she is a vice president of CTMs here at our company. Um, I had folks that left um, the project management group and ended up going into sales. So the, it's vast, right? You have, you have options. Um, but for me, I will probably stay aligned in project management until whenever. We'll see. It sounds like you love it. <laughs> I do. I do. How about you, Stephanie? So... I Everything is on the table at this point. Um, I am, so at my company, we have a title called the Clinical Research Scientist, and they focus more on um, diving into the clinical data. They also do a lot of work on protocol development. I'm heavily involved in protocol development now, but they have an even greater role in it, and they do a lot of management of site escalations, that type of thing. So I'm interested in that role. I'm also interested in possibly looking into like portfolio management. So that's looking at the variety of um, studies that would roll up to a compound. So managing at that level so that you can continue to um, directionally push the, that compound in whatever direction you want to for it to go into. And that works very heavily with our business unit. So maybe I don't want to do that because the business unit can be crazy, but um, I'm looking at those two things. If I do decide to move on from this company, um, I would be interested in any like type of project director, portfolio management, that type of thing at, at another company, um, or really just driving development of that clinical department. So again, everything's on the table. We'll figure it out once I get this project under my belt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Can any of you briefly touch on contract positions? I'm um, clueless. I don't know. Never done it. I don't have any experience. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, that is fair enough. We will open up <laughs> to audience questions. Thank you so much, ladies. Danielle, back over to you. Guess I need to take myself off of mute, right? <laughs> okay, let me check and see. No questions here. I'm just starting from the top. Um, can the speakers, oh, okay. I think we kind of touched on this already. Um, Dwayne was asking if you can share your different experiences of working at the CRO versus the sponsor side. It's a huge difference. Um, uh, this so uh, being a person that has been uh, laid off a number of times in this industry due to companies going under, um, both on the sponsor and CRO side, um, there as far as job security, there may be, and it depends on how you look at it. But this has just been my experience. 
there is um, a little more job security on the CRO um, side. Well, there's a lot because your pipeline is, is vast. You have, you have multiple clients, um, but you are, you are working in more of the, you know, in a customer service capacity where the client says they want something and, and you don't necessarily say yes. Sometimes it's out of scope and you say, okay, you know, you're going to pay for it, but um, it's more customer service. At, from a from a sponsor side, you're the one calling the shots. Um, so it's 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 a very different um, dynamic whether you're on the CRO side or or sponsor side. I personally prefer the sponsor side, um, especially small kind of niche biotech because and and the same thing with small CROs. The smaller the company, the more hands you have in in everything. Um, but yeah, def there's there's definitely a different relationship or or roles and between the CRO and and sponsor. But again, CROs are definitely more customer service based because we're trying to get more business, um, we're trying to get more bids. And you know, again, like like um, Jessica said, you're you're going to bid defenses. You know, begging the sponsor, hey, well, not begging, but you know, telling sponsor, hey, you should pick us, and this is why. So it's it's they're very different types roles. Okay. So what soft skills or courses or trainings would you recommend in order to become a, a project manager? So I'll tell you some of the courses that I took um, leading up to going into project management and I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget. Um, so I took one called um, Crucial Conversations. And so it was a course designed to help you, um, and I think it was Erica that said you have to learn how to manage the client, right? So some of those conversations are not really um, comfortable. So it helps you navigate through having uncomfortable conversations, um, facing your fears and having the boldness to kind of say what needs to be said, but tapering it in a way that my grandma, grandmother used to say that you round out the sharp edges of your tongue, right? And so I think because we're in this um, environment, Danielle, that you have created um, and put forth for women of color, um, a lot of times we can be stereotyped as the angry black woman, okay? And so having taken that, that crucial conversations course was really critical um, because not only am I a woman of color, but I am a Northerner. And so my husband is from North Carolina. And he says, when I get angry, quote, the Jersey comes out. Yes. So I, I have to learn how to um, manage my, my facial expressions, uh, manage my, um, how I respond and realize that it's not so much what I say, but it can be how I say it and to whom. Um, learning how to, um, again, I talked about setting priorities. Um, I did a class recently that was called Managing for Excellence. And so it talked about really um, developing the skills to be an intentional leader, but realizing, as I said earlier, that as a project manager, you don't have direct reports, right? So if I have an issue with someone that, that's aligned under my project, I have to learn how to be really direct and have those conversations to get to the root of what the issue might be. And then realizing that if I'm still not seeing the desired outcome or result, that I have to do what we hate to say, but escalate, right? And talk to the line manager because I don't have these boxes that I'm checking off about their performance. That's the line manager's job. That's not my job. My job is to manage the study. 
line managers manage, manage people. And I intentionally steered away from that because that's not what I want to do. Um, other skills, I would say, aside from leadership and being organized, um, is really being responsible and being responsive. Um, one thing that I've heard from clients a lot when they have an issue with the study is that they feel that we are, quote, non-responsive. And so sometimes as a leader, as a project manager, if you are so busy and so over inundated, as we said earlier with meetings and you're not keeping up on your emails and you're not meeting your deliverables, they look at you as somebody that's non-responsive. I can't reach you. You're not um, doing what you said. You're not giving me what I asked for when you said you would do it. Um, you're not performing up to par. And so really being um, intentional about um, delegating and empowering your team um, and being um, direct and being transparent, right? Being transparent that if there's a deliverable that's due on Friday or Thursday at 12, and if I know I can't do it, so I don't wait until Thursday at 10 to convey that, right? I would know that on Wednesday, if I'm staying up on my stuff and communicate that and say to my client, whether it's internal or external, you know, I'm sorry, I know that I committed to getting this to you at 12 on Thursday, but what's more realistic for me is that I can give it to you on Friday at nine and give it to them on Friday at nine. Um, and just realizing again, as I said, for um, black women, for women of color, um, that a lot of times in the industry, we can be labeled um, as harsh, or angry, and I'm just gonna be honest, you know, as ghetto or whatever, um, just realizing that at times, and I'm sure that the ladies here who are in project management um, will realize that sometimes in this role, you are the only person that looks like you in the room. You're the only person that looks like you um, in that meeting or on that call. And so it carries a lot of weight and it can carry a lot of pressure and how you present yourself um, externally in your appearance, in your conversation, it matters. It, and, and maybe it shouldn't matter as much as it should in 2020, but our reality is, is that it does matter. Yeah, you're constantly straddling the fence of being your authentic self mm -hmm. um, while constantly um, being aware of how you may be perceived. Um, a lot of times I've walked into a room and and even though they've heard my voice, they still don't think that I look the way that I do. And, you know, it's just something that you have to get used to. But at the same time, I think that's one of the um, one of our assets is um, compared to other people, um, we are used to being the outlier and still um, thriving. And so we, we need to use that to our advantage. Um, just to piggyback on Jessica, you know, definitely take classes, but also um, use other skills that, you know, everything is transferable. I know most of us have our side hustles. Mine is real estate. And I use that daily, um, you know, the things that I use with my real estate clients, I, I use with um, my sponsor clients, um, really customer service, I cannot stress is so important with your internal and external teams. Like Jessica said, if you can't meet a deliverable, say that and, and let them know. Um, and, and again, you're a project manager because you were promoted and, and that's a quality that you would have used at your previous position. Um, because you would have, um, you know, proven yourself to be reliable. So, um, you know, use, use your other skills as well. Um, you know, you can apply that to the, to the job as well. Okay. Thank you.
Oh, sorry, Danielle. I was gonna take over. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I just wanted to ask this question because I think it was is really important because we didn't discuss uh, salary. So, what is the entry um, project management salary, and how do you negotiate your salary for this role? Well. First, I want to say it really depends on the country and I'm sorry, the the state and the area um, as as you do move up, though, um, I mean, by the time you get to project manager, I, I think especially in an entry or, or past an entry position, money does matter. But the money, I promise you, will come in leaps and bounds. So um, but here in the DC area, um, cost of living is more. So you're probably looking at like the, the 150 range, um, but that shouldn't include bonuses. Um, it really, it really, it's, it's a compensation package. So it, it really depends. You also have to take in consideration, um, you know, PTO on the CRO side, um, stock options sometimes usually aren't a part of it like they are with a sponsor company. Um, but it, it really just just all depends on on the company. But um, regardless, even if now, you know, of course, I, I always negotiate. I, I always counter no matter what I get, even if it's way more than I thought. I, I always do that. Um, but I, again, the, the money will, will definitely come for sure. I've seen anywhere from like 80 or 90 for some um, PM positions up to almost 200. It really depends on where you're based and um, your experience that you're bringing in. Obviously, I don't think you would get, um, you know, high um, 100s to 200s if you're not coming in with a vast amount of experience. So you won't see that until you've been doing the role for a long time. But as an entry level, I'm thinking anywhere from about 90 to maybe about 130, depending on where you're based. Yeah, it really just depends. So I, I agree with both ladies um, for the Raleigh-Durham area. And Stephanie, I don't know where you are, but in the Raleigh-Durham area, even when I made the leap from in-house CRA to um, the associate PL role, I went well into six figures. It was a huge jump. And mm -hmm. so then once I went into from APL to, um, to the PL project leader PM role, um, it was like another $25,000 increase. So um, even at the associate level, um, for this region where I am, it is not um, unrealistic to expect six figures. You can get it and, and you will work for every dollar. Trust <laughs> you deserve it. It's not unrealistic at all. I mean, think about bonuses. Think about, like she, um, Erica said, stock options. Think about the time off that you're going to get. Um, yeah. Think about um, your your health insurance. If your health insurance is crap, it's going to eat into how much you have, um, your actual disposable income. So think about all of those things when you're looking at the full benefit package. And if, and if you're trying really hard to, to get in, I mean, for some of the promotions that I had, I knew that I was underpaid, but I also knew that if I stayed there for a year, I could transition to another company and, and get my 30, 40 extra there. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm saying experience matters more than anything in the industry. So, of, you know, of course, we're, we need to get paid for, for what we do. Um, but especially if it is your, your first position in that promoted level, um, 
I, I would focus more so on the position. Um, and again, counter and, and all that good stuff. But within a year, you can always either renegotiate or go to another company and you now have that experience under your belt. Because to be very honest, it was very, very hard to transition from a coordinator to a CRA, to a CRA, to a CTM and, and so on. Um, it, it's, it's, at least for me, it was very, very hard. Um, I received so many no's. Um, but, you know, once, once you have the position, you can really demand your money once you have that experience. And don't be afraid to bounce around. I know, um, oh. like our parents, they <laughs> like to be a company for 15, 20, 25 years and retire from the company yeah. that they got to when they first started their career. Don't be afraid. I have spent an average of about two and a half years at every position I may stay at my company in a little bit longer, depending on how I feel. I may not. Yeah. Be comfortable with being able to move around because um, you're taking your experience and you're using that to be able to demand higher pay and more complex positions. Don't be afraid to move around, please. Absolutely. And really, that's the only, well, I don't want to say that because I know, Jessica, you had a very good experience where, where you're at. But um, for me, that is when I really was able to get those big increases was when I left, especially with all the sign-on bonuses that are out there. Um, but yes, no allegiance to anyone. My parents were, you know, federal government, 35 years. That is not how it is anymore. Um, now, if you have less than a year, um, you know, recruiters may look at that as, mm, um, mm -hmm. there are so many recruiters. I mean, I get no lie, at least five to 10 recruiters every week with a position. So it's kind of expected, um, you know, around two years or so at, at a company. So do not be afraid to move. Absolutely. Thank you, ladies. I agree with you, Jessica, on the um, going, this is going back. <laughs> Uh, about the being seen as ghetto or having an attitude or being aggressive. I'm basically new to project management. And in the role I have currently, I have to play the annoying person to get what I want or get what the what my department needs. And so I'm on the fence with like, do I push a bit more or should I stop? Because I don't want to be seen as aggressive, but I need to get this done. This is my job. Um, you know, the deliverables are important. If I'm not getting it, then what am I doing? Um, so that's very important. So I'm glad you said that. You still got to get your work done at the end of the day. Um, and just, you know, what was that quote you said? Rounding out, Round the, sharp out the sharp edges of your tongue. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So for someone like me who's coming from the um, Academic Medical Center or ARO, as you call it, in the project management position, if we try to go to a CRO, what would be the level we would start at? Do we need to start at project specialist? Can we go to another level? So, I, so I will. I don't. I don't know. But what okay. I will say is that within about two months ago, I had a colleague who works on the sponsor side, and I think her role was clinical trial manager. I think that's what it was. Um, and so I referred her for two roles in my company. One was a clinical operations leader, which I think every CRO has. And the other was the project manager. And I was shocked that she wasn't even considered for a PM. So at my company, the CTM at the, um, the, on the sponsor side is looked at as a clinical operations leader. Like who knew? I didn't know, right? But that might be different. But I would say 
that you would probably come in as an associate project manager. Um, and then after a year or so could work up to a PM. That's just my, from what I've seen from people that I've referred to who were interested at, um, I'm, at I'm at Par Excel. Um, because every title is different depending on what the organization is. And that's just what I've seen within the last year or so. But maybe the other ladies can speak to that as well. You have to look more at the um, job description as opposed to the title, because oftentimes we toss around CTEM, CTPM, which is what I am, CPM, ClinOps lead, all of these can possibly be the same thing depending on what company you're at. So you really have to look at the description, look at both what you do now and what the description is asking for. Definitely just compare what you're doing now, your, um, your current experience to what the position is looking for. Don't necessarily look at the title and say, I need to get this title to be able to move to this role. Yeah, transferable skills in, in selling yourself is so important. Um, so yeah, for sure. Thank you, ladies. Back over to you, Danielle. Well, I just want to thank each and every one of the speakers, um, Jessica, Stephanie, Erica, for speaking tonight. I feel like I've gained so much knowledge on project management. You know, I, I wasn't really familiar with the responsibilities. So I'm taking away that a project manager needs to wear several hats and that you need to be super organized with the meetings. I kind of wanted to ask you guys, maybe we'll ask this in the group. I'm just really curious how many meetings, you know, that you guys are kind of having a day that that was kind of, you know, cause I know you guys said that, but that, that can be a topic that we kind of pick up in the group. But I want to thank each and everyone for coming. I want to thank my admins, Andrika, Rashida, for making this night a success, project management. If anyone has any additional questions, please let us know. You can reach out to us on the group. You can 